0: It is so great to have friends that you've known forever, that you can hang out with, or these days, Zoom with, and just tell stories and laugh. Old, familiar stories, stories that have been forgotten for a long time and then remembered. Man, that is just needed now more than ever. And I will never take for granted those kind of times. Had a great day yesterday with Kirk Herbstreet, and Chris Felica. Now, Kirk, you know, if you know anything about college football, he's been the top analyst in the sport for a long time, and Kirk and I have had a 25-year partnership and friendship, first for my years on College Game Day, which ended in 2014, also in Thursday Night Football, and for the last seven years, ABC Saturday Night Football, calling all the big games on ABC, including the Rose Bowl, and the championship game. For all those 25 years, Chris Felica, a.k.a. the Bear, has been alongside, first as a researcher, and in recent years as a TV star, offering his opinions and his picks on games from his desk just off the corner of the game day set. Now, the Bear was given his nickname by our beloved coach Lee Corso at a game day meeting a long time ago in front of about 20 people Lee looks over at Chris and just says to him, Look at you. Look at you over there. You're like a you're like a big bear. All you do is eat, sleep, and shit. <laughs> the whole room just fell over, Chris included. It was said with great affection. And from that day on, he was known as. The Bear. The Bear has also worked with me as a researcher, by the way, at everything from the World Cup in South Africa to the Final Four, a bunch of Triple Crown races, and the Summer and Winter X Games. But those are stories for another day. Today, we're telling tales from our quarter century in college football. And I hope you have half as much fun listening to these as we did telling them. All right, Kirk, this is going to be fun, but if, if I threw you a number 400 and then told you that 400 was the number of fall Saturdays that we've worked together on one platform, another wow. at ESPN, like what's, what's your reaction to 400 fall Saturdays?
1: Are you, are you sure that's accurate? Did, did, did you? Uh, did you now right away the you're checking my that? math. That's impressive. 400.
0: 25 years times about 15 or 16 Saturdays. That's not counting every single thing we've done, but that's just the, 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 Saturdays, yeah, you
1: know? yeah, exactly. I was going to say, cause I think it's even more than that. I, I I don't, I just, I'm one of those guys. It's like time just flies, you know, like I, I don't, um, I still feel like I'm seven years in, you know, like I, I don't feel like I'm 25 <laughs> years of doing this, but I think it's, it's a reflection and we love what we do. You know, we love covering the sport and I know you are able to, to cover a lot of other sports over your career and still do but for me and and for bear and people like that i mean this is what we do this is it you know year-round really but no man I, that that's that's weird it, you know when you're in the middle you guys of are more something- year-round than
0: i am i'll be honest with you like I I, I I i like to check out i know i know you and bear we'll get to that or you guys are like 365 cfb i i go away and come back that's the only way i can do it man
1: that's great. That's great. Everybody finds their little rhythm, their little pattern, you know. And it's cool. You got tennis and other things that that allow you to kind of recharge, and then you come charging back in July, August, like ready to go, you know. Um, but no, I, that's amazing to think four hundred Saturdays.
0: That's, you you that's hit awesome. that point though. You've been on the show and in, and in the sport plenty long enough that none of the players we talk about on Saturdays were born when you jumped, and that when you hit that point, when you realize, oh shit, like. I've been doing this job longer than than like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have been alive. And you realize what has changed in the sport, what has changed in the world, what has changed in our lives, you know, since 1996, that's when it gets pretty freaky.
1: Well, yeah, if like for me, as you're sitting there saying that, I'm thinking back to the early years, you know, when I was, I was 26, 27, you know, and, I remember doing the Home Depot Award show. It was just a different kind of experience, you know, back in those days. Like we would we would meet in Orlando, and you know, a lot of these guys you'd covered, all of a sudden they got a hall pass for 48 hours and downtown Disney. And I mean <laughs> I'm gonna I name years, names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was only a few years older than them, and and I remember you and I, we would used to go out and hang out with these guys, like when Sark was a player. Yeah. at BYU and even Pat Fitzgerald. I think they were the same year.
0: Peyton um, was a player.
1: You know, I mean that was that was like great times, you know, and and uh you know, I think you reach a point where you know, you reached it before me cuz I used to like tug on your shirt like, "Come on, man, let's go. Let's go out. Let's go do something." And you were like, you know, a lot much more mature at that point than I was and you were already locked in. But yeah, those days are, are long.
0: I think when they invented behind. cameras on phones, that became like that. We'll talk about that. That That's when doing the job yeah. changed a lot. Because it used to be like, what in the world? like some would b- bring out a small camera. Then they would have those little box cameras, the, the little Kodak paper camera. and you're thinking like who brings a camera to a bar? Like that's weird. to start taking pictures in a bar and then of course, boom the explosion of smartphones and all of a sudden you couldn't you couldn't do Change nearly the, the stuff you used to be able to do.
1: Yeah, that, that changed the game completely. I think for all of us, for everybody, you know at that point.
0: Let's bring in uh, the bear Chris Felica here. He Join game day. The same season you did back in nineteen ninety six, Barry. You, you had a question. We were talking. To, you had a question for Kirk. You're gonna right away. He's gonna test your memory, Herb. Street.
2: Oh
1: my gosh!
2: What was our first road show? The three of us together. It was Kirk, Kirk and I's first road show. Was 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 the same one? Do you remember what it was? I do. I did this it's, one. You, you, because your cohort, uh, are you asking Chris? Or are you
1: asking me? I know I'm the asking,
2: I'm asking you. I'm asking you because the our partner here I didn't remember it before. He
1: thought. Oh, 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 oh! I remember because I, I could not believe it's the first time I really seen somewhere besides the Big Ten, so it stands out to me. We went to Boulder, Colorado. Yep, yes, we
2: did. It was the it was the Michigan Colorado game after, uh, yeah. the, two years after the Cordell Pass. Uh, yeah, Chris. Chris actually thought it might have been that. Uh, uh, the Hold Penn on real State, quick, Ohio here. State. No,
0: no, that hard. was the uh, that was the road show there with the uh, we they had like the Ralphie the Buffalo statue. There wasn't a lot, wasn't a huge crowd there in Boulder. I remember that. Oh, no, you know, no, no, no there was
1: like there was like uh, 37 people, you know, <laughs> and I'll never forget Lee Corso. You know, we did an hour show, and Lee Corso at the end of the show, he you know, one of the stage uh, managers, you know, was there. he goes, Hey, hey, come here, come here. See that guy over there with that that hat right there? It was just like a it was like a ball cap with, it, and it might have had like I don't know horns coming out of it or something. He goes, go 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 grab it, go see if I can get that hat. This is the segment right before the. I had no idea what he was doing. Go over there and see if I can. I don't I think he did get either. That guy's hat. And the, the guy went over. Hey, can uh, Coach Corso borrow your hat real quick? And I, we might have been down to like twenty eight people, you know. By that point, it was an hour later. He uh, he brings the hat up, and then. I can't even remember if we picked all the games. We may only pick that game. I'm not sure. And then he put it on this, this ball cap, and when he picked uh, Colorado.
0: Yeah. I do remember that, that that was one of those shows there. We had a lightning alert. We were supposed to do a post-game show, and lightning, one of those Rocky Mountain late afternoon thunderstorms, like chased us off the set. We had to go inside. We sat on a, little, on a card table in the lobby of the basketball arena to do a yep, post-game that. show that day. I do remember that. But then the, then there was, I, I thought, Chris and I were talking, I thought that the Ohio State show, like your homecoming game day show your first year, I thought that was the first time you'd been on the road because that, that was a very memorable it was. show. And then and the Friday before the show was memorable too.
1: Yeah, it was. It
2: was. <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a Saturday morning was before the show as
1: well. You got to remember now. You got to cut me some slack. I did arena football. I don't know, whenever their season started. Let's say March every weekend and I was 26 I'm all my boys we lived at Owen Tangi Commons we had like three of us all living together weekends were gold I missed every weekend March April May June July August covering Kurt Warner and the Iowa Barnstormers and then I'd get then in the middle of that I I, I did an audition in the middle of that for game day yep where Mo Davenport told me you're not going to get it but just come on out it'd be good for your experience your career so I did that in the middle of my season and then got the job. And then as soon as, you know, um, the arena bowl, I think it's called the arena bowl ended the very next week we were in Boulder, Colorado. So i had been on the road for like four months straight. So then might've been Bear. What was it? Week two weeks. Was it second or third show that we traveled? Fourth. Fourth. Okay. Where'd we go before, after, after Boulder?
2: We, we were oh, all oh, our first experienced SEC football. Peyton versus Florida,
1: the rain. Yep. yep, That was off.
2: Fourth fourth and what? Fourth down, Spurrier, uh, Riddell Anthony. Riddell
1: Riddell Anthony, post. And it went from,
2: (laughs) get to to your
0: Friday night in Columbus. Get to that part.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we had Ohio
2: State the week before in in, uh, in South Bend as well.
1: Ohio State
2: beat South Bend, uh, lose team.
1: Luke Fickle was a a big part of that in Vrabel. Uh, Then then we went to Columbus, and then we all went out, and it was a mess. (laughs) 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 The, the, The only memory I have is waking up Saturday morning, fourth week of my career, and being terrified that I'd been out way too late. And, and you made me have way too many drinks yeah, yeah. and I I couldn't really I was just like I don't even want to go I'm good like I was not gonna I'm go <laughs> I'm
2: just gonna skip I'm good
1: tell I the truth Allison me me. rescued me,
2: man. you
0: man one of the great careers in sports broadcasting almost got like cut short in week four of year one
1: listen to this i somehow bang i make it into the rotc building next to next to st john's arena you guys have no idea what's going on i have my sunglasses on some idea i had some
2: idea
1: but you're going you know you and Vec are arguing about something and I'm, i'm my stomach is like not feeling good and i'm trying to like keep it together trying not to get fired just because of the way i am in the meeting so i'm just holding on for dear life, going through this little production meeting before our show starts on Saturday. And in the middle of it, ran down the hallway and just got sick <laughs> really bad for a long time. And I was pale white, like I was banged up. I had Bama Dave bring me, he, he brought me a, uh, Bama Dave's one of the guys on our crew A game day. He, he was worried about me. He brought this trash can for me and he put it just to the left of my seat during the show so if i have to vomit during the show at least i had a trash can to turn my head over to and and throw up uh during the show thank god the show was an hour back then
0: thank god you made it through total pro total pro
2: (laughs) that bam and dave helped us out a couple other times as well but we won't get into that (laughs) you remember
0: kirk you remember the first time we swung the camera around and like the bear is now an icon but but it was a a a valuable part of the team, but not in front of the camera. I, was it your idea? What, we, All of a sudden, we were sitting over yeah. there, and we're like, "There's a I lull or fitting. something." Like, Spin I a camera around.
1: It was his calves. I wanted to show <laughs> bear's calves. <laughs> like Mo- wait—that—that
0: that, that was the whole impetus for you. Let—let's show his calves, not—not—not pick it brain.
1: His calves are like that big, and he had shorts on. And I—I, t- I, you know, that's when we used to just a lot of times with fitting in the chair, we'd get off the rails and he loved it. He encouraged it. So I hit talk back and I was like, you gotta, you gotta get the camera on bears calves. I'm going to say something. He goes, Oh, that's great. That's great. Bring <laughs> so the camera over to his calves. And I just start talking about bears calves. And I'm just like, look at this. I
0: didn't know I forgot about the cabs part bear I knew I knew we, I thought we were going to talk some football but then for, think about it, from one calf cutaway comes the Empire that is the is the it, it,
2: exactly I, I, it's it's the former offensive line me. It, it, it's funny you say that because I can remember do you remember World Cup in South Africa we were in that fight well, I, I do remember the World night. Cup in South Africa yeah no, yes. the, one of the first nights in in, in, in the bar I came down in the lobby in shorts and and you were there i think rude was there and maca was there and i like walking and like maca made some comment about my calves too and it's like oh <laughs> yeah yeah this is unbelievable like everybody just all, of all are these pro soccer players Paris kirk compliment. are admiring his I mean, calves. these are
0: world-class it, it, soccer compliment.
1: players they are shredded up like big <laughs> thick, strong-ass calves i mean like it's, it's he a looks like a road grader like he's gonna move some people out of the way i did in the day Every yeah, I did.
0: I was telling him though. Remember, we used to swing the camera around, like he wouldn't know it was coming. Like nobody really knew it was coming. We'd just get the idea, right now we're going to throw the. And remember, he used to get so pissed off when he wasn't ready. Like he, they didn't have the headset yes. ready, he didn't even know did. what was going on.
1: But that's great TV. Like that's what we want. I mean, we bear off the top of his head is gold. Like if you ask him, right, like, like I, I, I was like, I forget what we did this year. I think I had him named stadiums like, like, you know, the guy like knows stadiums, the names. Yep. you do too. But like, I, I think we were like, uh, you yeah, know, like name right. Eastern Michigan like stadium. Yeah. or Coastal yeah, and Carolina like, yeah, such, yeah, stadium. Like that, yeah. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, uh, you know, Colorado state, you know, he names that stadium. That's where bears so much fun. You know, when he has no idea what you're coming at him with.
0: What did you, what did you guys make of like, when you come on board Kirk, I mean, Corso is kind of becoming Corso, but it hadn't fully, he, he had a thing with Craig James who was on the show before you were, and he, he was kind of making a name for himself. Before they had like hot take artists, before that was like a gig on TV, Elsie used to kind of do that. He used to throw some crazy stuff out there. I, mean, I, I did a studio show with him one time. Wisconsin had lost a game. Barry Alvarez had made a decision late in the game you. that Corso was, was irate about.
1: I was with you. I was you were in the that. studio
0: then? And yeah. he said, he's got, he's got to quit. Apologize. He's got to go into his team and apologize and resign. Yep. I'm like, you're not serious. And he, he goes, nothing I say is serious. And, but he used <laughs> to, he used to really go after coaches. And I think they, and, and he, he loved the profession, but I think it kind of got back to him. Like, Hey, listen, you're one of us. You can't do that. And then he kind of well, backed away from that. But.
1: but there's a dot, dot, dot to that story. I was sitting next to you. Yeah. I was on the set. Yeah. It was the first guy You were I'm there. there. People forget when game day didn't travel. Like we would do the, all the rap stuff, you know, and we would do games, halftime shows, and in between shows, you know, leading up to a seven o'clock game. And that was coming, it was an ESPN game, Northwestern and uh, Madison. And they ran the ball instead of taking a <laughs> knee. And he was furious. Just the ethics of football 101, coaching 101, you take a knee there. And it, whether it was right or wrong, in his mind, it was right. And that's what he said all that about Barry Alvarez. And he, you're right. Like it wasn't just Lee's funny. Lee was like a lightning rod in those days, man. And he said that. And I was with him in New York City when you hosted a National Football Foundation dinner at the end of the year. And of uh, there's every coach in the country's, in, and this is really cool for me. It's the first time I've been to this. Every coach in the country's here. Black tie event, Waldorf Astoria, New York City. I'm in like, holy cow. Where am I? And here comes Al Capone, long <laughs> trench coat. I'm like, Uh-oh. oh my gosh. And he see, Lee and Lee's moving real quick in his tux, you know And he <laughs> sees him and he goes right up to him, puts his finger in his chest and said, I did not appreciate what you had to say. And Lee, you know like, hey yeah, forget about it it's all you know like Lee just kind of dodged it and no I understand, I understand. And then he just kind of moved on, but, that was, uh, that's what Barry, I liked. Barry was a pretty intimidating before.
0: guy. You get a pinky ring to come at you that way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what it felt like. Al I, and I, To this day, I call Alvy I call him uh, Capone uh, because of that that day. You know, watching him come in, long trench coat, dark hair still. You know, he's balding, but he looked over at Lee like, don't you dare do that again. And Lee just kind of, but Lee did not hold back. That's Lee. That, that's why Lee built his brand in my mind, what you just said. that that. So he'll say anything and not worry about the consequences way before people did that.
0: Yeah, I want to get back to some funny stuff, but I do think it's a really powerful moment. And We, we, we all have such you know, deep love and affection for him and respect for him, learned so much from him. When he had the stroke, I thought that was one of the most courageous things that anybody's done. A guy who, who spoke so effortlessly, he, it was so natural, and he was such a great uh, ad-libber and to be robbed of that. And the first show back after his stroke, and this wasn't that many months, and he had gone to speech therapy that he says is the hardest thing he's ever had to do, to relearn how to speak. And we weren't sure if the gears were going to mesh when the light went on. And the the season debut of the show was in Atlanta, and we're outside, and there's a big crowd around. And I think all of us were so anxious and holding our breath. And how is this going to go for him? Is he going to be uncomfortable? Is he going to be able to get the words out? And and that was, I think, a two-hour show at that point. And the fact that he was able to, to get through that, and it got better and better from, from that point on that year. Uh, God, well, I just remember the tension, Kirk. You know, just loving this guy so much and just hoping things were going to go okay.
1: Yeah, totally. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I, I, I mean, really, to me, when he had his stroke and he was determined, nobody was like, are you sure you're okay? And he, he would not let anybody stop him. getting back to that show and his motivation was his love for that job his love for that show his love for the sport and what he had become you know within the sport and he was not going to be slowed down and and you're right whether you have a a family member or you know somebody that's that suffered a stroke and you know it's it it, sometimes a side of your body can be paralyzed you know his right side was uh his hand was paralyzed right side of his mouth kind of droops a bit And the speech was, his cognitive thinking was fine. That's, I think, the frustrating thing for stroke victims is your cognitive thinking is fine. You just can't get the words out. And the harder you try and the faster you try, the worse it gets. And he had to learn how to do that all over again.
0: We did Thursday night games with LC, too, Kirk. Remember, like most analysts have a chart like you do and they, they got every, the players all written out there with the stats LC would bring in the post-it notes. I don't even know if he had it. he might not even had a chart with him. I don't know. You tell me, but he would go into the booth and there'd be like a hundred little post-it notes on the wall of the booth <laughs> stuff. He wanted to say like tidbits. I mean, no one has done a game like that.
1: ever. No, he, he, uh Mike, Mikey Tarico spoiled all of us because we didn't really know what a board or it was. And, when we started to do the Thursday nights, Mike was so far ahead of the curve with technology and he would go to think about this. He, he would have his computer. He would print, he would go to Kinko's Kinko's and print out the sheets, the boards for us. And Lee and I are just, we're trying to figure out our rental car and what we're doing. (laughs) And then he would, he would, he would every week provide us both with our, our board. And um, we just kind of thought that's what happened, you know, because that's all. And then he would
0: lose his and throw it away. I, I did he even use it? I mean, <laughs> no, well, the, then, post-it. No, I, I, that carried over week, to when I did. I replaced Mike and I go, in, what the hell is he? you got? Like little like words on a post-it note on the booth, all over the wall.
1: The the weeks Tariko wasn't there, he didn't have his board. You know how he's a system, ah. a system guy, so he he probably just come, in, come would come up with a new way with his post-its and, and everything else. But he I, he was so much fun to do games with. I remember of course you remember the BYU game when something happened with Lavelle Edwards and you and him, <laughs> you said something and he was, I
0: think, I think was, Lee used the expression shot as wide and Lavelle. Wasn't well, that, was on sure game, that. that was on oh,
1: game day. I'm oh. talking about the game we did. Oh, Oh, somebody oh. Lu- Lubick might've run up the score. On yes, Lavelle yes. Lavelle yes. Lavelle.
0: Oh yes. yes. <laughs> I, I do remember yep. that now. Yeah. And
1: you threw out one of your wise guy lines about something <laughs> And it just yeah, Lavelle had paid payback
2: coming for Lavelle. He's certainly done that enough.
1: In yeah, something like that. And and then he, he almost said, B- at "Bullsh," like he, he goes, "That's bullshit." You know how when he gets going, he doesn't care. <laughs> he does. And he he was going there on you, and we you two were sitting there having like an argument over the over the game. Do you Barry, you remember that at all? Yes, I, I do. I do.
2: I, 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 yeah. I, and obviously, I wasn't there, but I, I remember.
0: Oh watching yeah, listen, I, I, <laughs> I was making light of something that was deadly serious in the coach's ethics book that, that had been violated there, and he was he was yes. not having it.
2: Not having it. Pro, Provo the site of a couple. of – Actually, that might not have been in Provo, <laughs> but but BYU. Yeah, Kirk. I don't know what was the the, the, the better part of the show. Uh, Lee Lee with the shot shot is you know what, or uh, or Chris's favorite mascot there, Cosmo. Oh, that's I'm when the, that's the, when the
0: BYU Cougar, Dez sat to my right, and I see over the side, the, the Cougar is trying to get it. By the way, this was built way off the ground. This is like a 10-foot thing. We, they, over time, it came from being a stage on the ground where anybody could step over to be in something. You had to kind of scale scaffolding to get up to the set. And I see this Cougar's head coming over the railing. I'm like, what the hell? Get Get down. So he goes down. I think, okay, emergency is not going to happen. Then he comes back up jumps over the railing, comes around to my left, which is between me and Corso, jumps up on the, on the table where I have my notes, kicks over my coffee. My <laughs> phone's right there. Now the rest of the show has got covered, covered in coffee. He's standing there like making a whole scene, picks up Pinky one of the cards, which by the way, I need it for the too. next shot sheet, rips it in half. Cosmo you the Cougar... I okay, go, hey, got, okay, all right, fella. Got fired, like got down off the stage. Boom, fired on the spot. I, I don't know if he was kicked out of school, but he was fired from his job.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> that's the same show that Lee said. Nah, forget about them. They blew their wad last week. Yes. That's show. <laughs> that would be it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, some stuff happened at BYU. I, you know, I mean, there there's so many like funny moments where. This happens in the booth with us too, Kirk. Where you, you just you almost can't look at the other guy because if you do, it's over. <laughs> like you like you got to just keep your eye away and you, 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 any sort of like eye contact. And we're we're on the brink. We're on the brink a lot of completely losing it. I think especially on game day.
1: Oh my God! There would be moments when you would get me going and I can't control it. And it was like having church giggles, you know, where you just mom's telling you not to laugh and you just can't stop laughing. Usually it was something like Lee saying Marcus Tuiasasopo or, you know, some name the wrong way or something.
0: No, he called Tom Rinaldi Timmy.
1: Dead serious. Sugar boy. Yeah, and, and people, oh, Aaron Andrews ball. still
0: calls Rinaldi Timmy. He called Desmond Howard Dennis. I think that's when we, that's when I think we lost it.
1: <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> On the air, he <laughs> said Dennis. Air. Dennis, nope. let me tell you. And the only thing I could think of was... Um, he coached against Dennis Franklin at, at <laughs> Michigan, I think. Right, like back in that era, was it Dennis Franklin, who was the the Michigan quarterback that they had early seventies, right before Rick Leach? I think you're Dennis.
0: trying to crawl inside his head and figure out why he called. Yeah,
1: I'm Dennis. trying to like, I'm trying to put it all together. You know, like but that's a fool's oh, yeah. errand,
0: man. Is oh no, it, it was just moments like that are, are I mean, are just priceless. I, I want, I, I was thinking about something, Chris. Did you leave me alone? Stillwater, Oklahoma. We used to always do the Bedlam series in game day, and it was always frigid. It was always like thirty mile an hour winds, ten below zero. And we were in Oklahoma City for one, or, or Oklahoma State for one Bedlam game, and it was so cold that all you guys left the set. Everybody, I had to do a lead in to a, a tear jerking piece about the anniversary of JFK's assassination and Army Navy in the wake of that. And it was a, it was a, just one of those like heart rending pieces and. And you guys all went back to the bus. I'm out there doing doing the lead in alone. And you might I don't know if you left the set or not. You remember being remember out this. there? You know where I'm going with this? Yeah. So no. so I tell the crowd, like when we have a sensitive piece, sometimes I would inform the crowd, hey, listen, just you know, pay attention to the screen, react accordingly, react with class. It's a sensitive kind of piece. Don't come out and go, we're talking about president getting assassinated. So they get it. So we're all set. So lee fitting who you talked about earlier, is counting me down on my ear. It's quiet. They're respectful. This is going to go well. All of a sudden, the Oklahoma State mascot, like every mascot in the Big 12, no, he's got no, firearms. No. And I'm getting counted out of this piece on, on, on JFK assassination. The crowd is quiet. Over on the demo set, like a short distance away, bing, bing, bing. I hear this gunfire. Like there's gun, he's got, dude is shooting his gun in the air. Just happened. For him, it was too quiet. He didn't know what was going. I didn't get the memo. He starts shooting like his little mock guns in the air. We're like three, two, I'm like, I'm like, the look in my face, like I'm panicked that we're going to come out of this piece and we're going to hear like gunshots in the air. I think, I think on one, he stopped shooting. Wow!
1: Yeah, I had no idea. But you guys
0: were in the bus. You're like, you're like, I'm getting warm. I'm out of here.
1: <laughs> I, can't, I had no idea that happened. No idea. <laughs> I don't I didn't either.
2: See, that, that's probably true. We probably did bail because I, I think we, at, at the time we were like batting a thousand for bad weather in Stillwater. Whenever the show went there, I, 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 yes. I remember that, that that bedlam game in Stillwater. Once they moved it to November, was always. Always. Bear, talk, rather... talk
0: about the game in Big 12, the Big 12 championship. Well, that, game. <laughs>
2: that's, that's what I was going to say. The, the one that I definitely would, I thought you, you were, we're going to go with was the the Oklahoma-Kansas State Big 12 title game in 2000 where, I mean, it was cold, windy, snow, sl- literally, we're getting ready to do the truck, and there's nobody there. Zero. Zero fans around the set because the weather is just brutal. And then, like a couple of minutes before the show, this one random dude just like <laughs> straggles around, and there's like a like a barrel there. He puts the barrel on fire to keep warm so we can watch the show. About uh, before that Oklahoma Kansas State Big Twelve title game, I was
0: uh, pissed not because he blew the barrel. I just didn't want. It. I wanted us a perfect. I didn't want it zero fans. I wanted to see <laughs> a show in front of zero fans, and he came and ruined the record. <laughs>
1: You, you guys remember those NFL stadium shows, how much we used to dread those just because, nope. you know, the, it was either really hot or really cold and we just want to be on a, a campus so bad. Uh, I think that game you're talking about, we were way in the corner. Oh, yeah. You could almost see Arrowhead. We were way, way, way <laughs> oh, in the yeah. corner of a parking lot. It was like house. by
2: an overpass, like by a park in, in the corner of a parking lot.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the show where it was so cold, I wasn't wearing a tie. I was refusing to wear a tie because I was wearing six layers under a shirt. And I was going to wear a giant scarf. i could not going to see a tie. I had the scarf up to my chin and a top coat. And the producer, executive producer at the time, charges out of the truck and, and demands that I move my scarf to see that I had a tie on underneath it for the show. Was I, was I complying with the dress code or was I not wearing a tie? This is like we're, we're right before air. Flicker, you remember this. No, I've I've never, I've never, not not I've pissing never off the host and rattling this. the host is pretty good. I, That's I, a good policy.
1: I've, ne- <laughs> I've never asked you about this, but Bear and I's first year or so, like, we didn't know who Steve who really was, <laughs> but it was pretty quick and clear. I knew who you were, but it was pretty quick that you could see that there was some editorial exchanges that would go on, whether it was a Friday meeting or maybe something else, but that was an interesting dynamic. You know, I, I think for that's, me a, that's a great point you bear, bring up, man. Just, just to come into TV yeah. for the first time doing TV and Ugh. having that, there was some volatility going well, on.
0: I'm so, I apologize if that, that, that was your my, first my, experience. My, uh, because that was my mentality. No, no. I mean, listen, I, I, it was not always kumbaya on the show. There, there were times when I hate to say it, but people would never know it from watching on Saturday morning. But like you showed up on a Friday afternoon, and you were not exactly eager to be at this party, right? Like you, you it was it was tense. The show would go on the air, be fine. those are the days we didn't have a screen behind us, and the producers sort of fought putting a screen behind us. And remember the Michigan State game, you almost got decapitated by a, a, a beer, beer can, can. comes hurling through the air, pinwheeling through the air, almost almost takes the back of your head off.
1: Yeah. Golf ball, the golf ball at LSU, too. Yeah, uh, golf ball. I but that's when that's when Corso taught me again, brand new to the party, a lot of Friday energy. And then I just would sit next to him, and then he would say, Say nothing. Say nothing. <laughs> That's what he would tell
0: me. Meaning what? Like, don't, like, don't talk in the meeting.
1: Say yeah. Say nothing. Say and I go. I, I would like elbow him. Like maybe whisper something to him. And he'd be like, just he'd go, Sergeant Schultz. And he like <laughs> say nothing.
2: <laughs> so well, say been,
0: nothing. Say nothing became like a catchphrase. For you guys would have for all of the whole team.
1: Yeah, yeah, that became the thing. Like say say nothing. I say nothing. But he would <laughs> say tell me in, fr- in Friday meetings, say nothing. Uh, say so say, I say nothing.
2: It. Say nothing, and I like it better that way.
1: I like it.
2: <laughs> that, that, that's the that's the other one. Like the things are things are going wrong.
1: Yeah, miss that's... your miss your connection in Atlanta. Oh, I like it's better that way. It's, it's better. It better that
2: <laughs> way. But
0: at out. least when you guys were on the show, there was no fist fights in a production meeting. I, the I think the year before you got there, Kirk uh, Craig James leapt across the table, and we um, we almost, I almost we almost had a fist fight. He and he and the producer at the time. So. That kind of stuff happens in TV. It even happened in game day, and thankfully we, we, we worked through that where it became
1: – Well, we went, we went from that energy to I think the next chapter was Stu Barbara, which was completely calmer, very, yeah. very different uh, energy. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to get into that or not, but I was just telling you that that, that, that was our first year, and it was our first like, wow, this is crazy. Well, you got into it, so to we did. I'm
0: fine. I mean, listen.
1: To, to your credit, dude, like you you looked at Game Day and still probably do to a certain extent. I mean, that was like 1996. That was still the beginning of, it was like a child. Like you were raising a child. You, I mean, you took, you, you know, there was producers and directors and whatever else. But it was very clear that you were kind of the, the either producer or co-producer of the show. And if something didn't align with what you thought was not good for you, but good for the show then you, you would fight for it. So it was all good. It was all done with good intentions, but it was spirited, you know, for a guy that doesn't like, con- you know, I'm a guy that likes peace. I come in there. And I'm like, you know, Whoa, what's going on in here? You
0: came to the wrong place at the wrong time. then. <laughs> <laughs> I learned. Well, I thank you. you. You were always a very chilled energy, which is important because you don't need more volatility. L- later on, you you listen, I mean, don't act like you didn't have strong opinions. Later on, obviously, you well, had very was, strong, cared I, deeply about the show. You, you would throw more than your two cents in there and we would have I, this well, I conversation. I waited to
1: earn my respect so I could be invited into that, but I did not walk in. It, it took me five years or longer, maybe, to, to feel that I'd put the sweat equity into it to feel like I could you know, offer some insight, but...
0: And um, now these days, you're shut up and listen, this is what we're doing, right, Felica? Now he goes in, it's very different, Kirk, when he goes to the <laughs> meetings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all
0: you guys shut up, I'm telling you how it's going to be. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. We're not doing a
1: lot of
2: green lighting.
1: Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Felica, tell now, the story
0: about... good, ahead, go ahead, Kirk, what you say?
1: Bear's a producer now. I mean, Bear, Bear, yep.
0: Bear absolutely. after
1: all these years, and, and when you and Fitting left, I mean... I think Bear and I really took on a different role together um, because that's a significant loss, you know? But that's the the
0: thing though, that the sport is a sport of opinions. You need a lot of people with a lot of different sensibilities and, and backgrounds. It should be like a bunch, there should be a bunch of cooks in the kitchen. And I think for game day, you know, there, for the most part, there were, and there are, and that that's what makes it, that's what makes it still great. Chris, tell the story you were telling me earlier, which, no, Jennifer, my wife does not know the story, but but it's okay. But <laughs> but the time that I had a near near disaster the day before game day. Uh,
2: that was uh, our one and only trip to Purdue, right? <laughs> yes. It's cold and it's raw and windy, and for some reason we're all out on this big open field, screwing around, throwing a football around, and somehow you lose notice that your wedding ring has suddenly fallen off in this huge <laughs> wide open field and it was it was, it was getting dark anyway, i was gonna say it was like i don't know if a time change had happened yet but it was late afternoon so yeah we, we were up against the uh up against sunlight and, and we're all on our hands and knees looking around this huge like you have no idea when you lost it but all, all we know is that there's nothing on your left hand anymore and and i think right before like the sun went down wasn't it Roman Mike Roman or yes manager, Mike I think, that ultimately saved your marriage yeah.
0: <laughs> yes he did he, he, he saved the big fight anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. no that was like that you, you, anybody that has a wedding ring you, eventually you're gonna it's gonna fall off at some point but that was like a moment of sheer terror because it was pretty early in the game there and I did not want to return home with the like the wedding ring gone in and-
2: 2004 so you, you were three years in
0: yeah, yeah, four years, but yeah, yeah almost yeah, over four years. But that that was like he found. But was, was a search uh, that that was a team effort, though. The, about, it was about thirty people on their hands and knees crawling around this uh, disgusting, like, field with thick grass, like, trying to find this. <laughs> oh, this it was ring gross. Too. It was
2: like it was it was Herb Street's favorite, like, light brown Midwest fall color where <laughs> <Perfect. it's laughs> sun sun sets at three thirty. your type of day.
1: Yes, that was we, was was Wisconsin. Were they the one? What was
2: yep, that? That was about. that was that was uh that was Wisconsin Purdue. You fumbled Kyle Orton fumbled late. You banged LC on the head with yeah, the, uh, over with the, the head. sledgehammer. You gave him a cut.
0: That's <laughs> funny because that was like that is the one and done. People ask, Where have you not been in game day? Almost every power five school, but but Purdue is one of the one and done's. And uh, that hey, Kirk, tell tell the story because it been there's been so much that's happened like in our lives that coincides with doing these shows. Will you tell the story of like we're in new Orleans and the millennium is about to change over. I mean, tell most of it.
1: Yeah. 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 uh, That was, that was a crazy, uh, were you just married? You were just married.
0: We were engaged, not yet married.
1: Okay. Um, Well, there was, as obviously people forget, um, especially younger people don't really realize, but, getting ready for the millennium. It was a lot of what's, what's going to happen to the computers and what's going to happen to this and what's going to happen to that. It was a lot of fear. Orleans, right? Yeah. We were in New Orleans and um, I'd been married for a couple of years. And my wife came down and we, you and I and Jen, we, and Allie, we all went out and had a couple of dinners and, you know, not that we're partying hard, but we, we'd have a cocktail at dinner or whatever. And she, my wife didn't have a, a cocktail. So I didn't really think, I didn't, I don't know. It didn't really cross my mind. And then we were, um, we did a segment, might've been a bowl game that night. We were yep. at the French quarter where our set was and we did a, a segment or a show and we, we, were, I can't, I can't remember if we were in tuxedos or we had something going on. We, we uh, like boas, the pink, we, we had,
0: had feather boas on. Yes. We we're wearing a yeah, uh, we feather, feather boas. we <laughs>
1: having fun and, and, uh, and New Orleans is one of the sites where ABC throws it around all over the country for, for the ball to drop. And so there's a ball right there and it's, we're getting under a minute. Everyone's getting excited. And, and, um, here comes the ball. Everyone's like, what's going to happen? Here we are. We're going into 2000 and 10, nine, eight, you know, we're all kind of standing together, six, five. And Allison turned to me and she said, I'm pregnant. And it was like, like, it was like, next thing I know, two, one, that, and and and. I was just like, holy cow. Uh, we didn't know she was pregnant with twins at the time, but she she was pregnant. That's how she broke the news to me. LC was there with his bomber jacket and his jeans. And- Chris jeans, and Molly were there. Shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So we were all there together. But yeah, that was quite a uh, quite a memory.
0: And good thing you didn't have to go right on the air after that announcement, right? We, I think we were <laughs> done for the night. Can you imagine? Like,
1: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. How or about her holding news. off for three days? She was in New Orleans. Didn't tell me anything. It's a hell of a plan.
0: How do you not notice she's not drinking for three <laughs> days? And she's, she's the only one in New Orleans not drinking for three days. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, And I'm not even thinking anything about it. And then right, at, right as the balls drop and she, uh, she broke the news.
0: You know what else? That, that was when uh, Michael Vick and the Hokies were taking on the Seminoles. Remember yeah. what else happened that New Year's Eve, Felica? Remember who broke curfew? We Oh, see Sebastian. He's on Sebastian TV. Janikowski. And, and okay. Bobby Bowden kind of had a curfew. But if, if fans remember, they had all kinds of problems kicking. And kicking had cost them a lot of big games. Now they had Janikowski. They had the stud kicker. And he kind of knew that no matter what he did, he, he wasn't going to get disciplined by Bowden. He, I mean, it's, it's strictly prohibited. After midnight out in Bourbon Street in the French Quarter, uh, breaking curfew. The game is the next night. And there's Janikowski out there. Can you imagine now with social media? <laughs> everybody would have been all over. like
1: in a Oh second. my gosh. They didn't really need him, did they? In that game? I mean, they no, it was oh no, the Hokies
2: led going to the fourth. It was tw- what twenty-nine-28 going to the fourth quarter, and all yeah, you
1: know, the, the rooster
2: Marcus in fourth and four. They did yeah, get that stop, right. they get that stop right there. Yeah. They, they weren't stopping Virginia Tech in, in, Yeah, Vic. Vic had, would have gotten that ball. That
1: that's when that's oh. when everybody looked at Michael Vick from you know, it was almost like the Lamar Jackson against Florida state moment. Yep. People looked at, uh, at Michael Vick, like he was a great player, but when he did what he was doing athletically, running around at Florida state defense that night, everyone was like, Whoa, this dude is different, different you guy.
0: Mean, people ask, how did game day become game day in terms of the road shows And Virginia Tech's an answer. And Frank Beamer saw early on that this was like an infomercial for their program. And the people didn't know about Blacksburg, Virginia. we going to find out if they tuned into game day. And he would just put like 15,000 people behind us in the stands of Lane Stadium. We had a good relationship with Virginia Tech. And that's sort of the backdrop for the story I wanted to tell. Because, you know, some of these shows, we tend to remember the ones where, oh, the guest picker is crazy. Or, of course, it does something nutty. Some of some of the most powerful memories I have, Kirk and Chris, are, are, are the ones that are, Different. The shows had a totally different texture, and we were at Virginia Tech for the first football game after the tragic shootings that previous spring. And it wasn't a big game; the opponent didn't matter. It was about the occasion and sort of marking their return, coming together for something that was positive and not to grieve and mourn. And I know we felt a huge responsibility to sort of document that event and, and strike the same tone because you don't want to be, you know, morose. For like the entire length of the show, you had to kind of go back and forth, cover football. Uh, the game was was part of our discussion, but but the energy there, just kind of captivating that. And I remember, we we had a camera walking through that long tunnel that goes from the locker room outside and then back into Lane Stadium. People know it; that's where they come running out to enter Sandman. But we had the camera kind of walking through this dark tunnel and then coming out into the light at the end of it to sort of symbolize what was going on on that campus. And I know we all felt like a responsibility to sort of document that, to get that right, to make them proud and have them approve of how we handled that. What do you remember about that, that day?
1: I, 100%. I, I really feel like you're really describing that perfectly because you're right about Frank Beamer. He was the first guy to, to look at game day not necessarily as a nuisance, but because of the distraction it could become. Um, But more of we've arrived, game days, putting the stamp. Not that we try to do that, but that's how he viewed it. We're the game of the week. They're coming to Blacksburg, Virginia. And he had worked so hard to build his brand up. And he challenged the Hokie Nation to fill up Lane Stadium. And I think they had like eighteen or 20,000 people on that lower side of the home side of uh, that Lane Stadium. And we did the show from the corner of that end zone, um, right where they come out. And I, I could not believe, you know, when you look over your shoulder to see that. And the game was at night. First time we ever did a game there, there were that many people. And Lee put this crazy mascot head on at the end of the show. And then, of course, Lee's car. I don't know if it was that game, but at some point, Lee had his car hit by lightning. And I don't know what a Hokie <laughs> is, but God's one of them. I'm going with the Hokies. I mean, it, it almost was like the team, they became – game day's team and lee corso's team and there was there was a lot of um you know not just familiarity but there was it was just like we we cared about their program and we loved their program we really appreciated and valued what frank beamer really did for game day because it changed game day from that point on and so when that happened i remember all of us when that when that shooting happened on that campus it was almost like i told my wife i was like I've been to a lot of campuses, like the last one, the last campus that I would tell you that you would think that that could happen is Virginia tech. It's like hidden up in these mountains, in these trees. And it's like a fort. It's just, nobody knows about it unless you're a hokey. And I was like, I cannot believe that that happened. Mm-hmm. And I think it shocked all of us who cover college football. And then you're right, whatever it was, five, six, seven months later, we're on their campus. They're playing ECU. Ended up, I think, being a competitive game. But we were there, and Chris, you did an amazing job. We're talking about the tone of, you know, it's you got to set the day up. It's the start of college football, so you want to be celebrating, but at the same time, appreciating what they had been through as a campus and, and a community. And uh, you know, as you always have done, you you captured that balance. I think we. I remember we moved inside. Yeah uh Mm -hmm. for the last maybe half hour of the show and there's a very touching tribute you know on their video board and that's a memorable show for me without i I
0: think we when when the show had a responsibility to document something and be a little bit more than just fun and games and and picks and opinions i think that those are those are what stood out to me i mean I, i was talking to chris earlier it wasn't a regular game day but after september 11th happened uh, there was a studio only show. I remember the games were canceled. I had to drive in a rental car from Colorado back to Bristol, Connecticut to, to do the show. I, I was thinking maybe there wasn't going to be a show. No, guess what? There is. And so I had to get back from Colorado where I happened to be when, when the attacks took place and, and drove across the country the eeriest time. The skies were empty. No planes flying. No jet streams above. Nothing on the road empty highways for three days to get to bristol do the show chris was you were in the studio right i was in there i think kirk you must have been at home it was no one no one else you couldn't fly so no one else could get to bristol we did this crazy i don't even this the show is such a blur because just getting there
1: was, was so like was such a powerful experience Bear, we should pull that one back because you're right the show is a blur were you in studio that oh, day? oh
2: yeah I was, I was definitely in studio um I wonder if I have a, a DVD of that show. But yeah, I can remember it was, just, it was just kind of weird because we just had, you were on satellite, coach, was, everyone was kind of separated and we just had guests throughout the, the show talking about whatever was going on. It's kind of like and, now. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's interesting. And then I can remember moving it forward a couple of weeks and just getting back on the road for the first time uh, I, I think actually our first show was in Norman for a, a really good Kansas State Oklahoma game, and I, I just remember just how everything was different from from flying to stadium security, and and every it, it was just like kind of like your your realization, like okay, this is a what you thought was a uh, a, a, a complete culture changing experience, a life changing experience, and and, and moment and it really is going to uh, be with us for a long long time.
0: We, we, we did a show at the Air Force Academy, open-only. We also did a, a post-September 11th show there, too, where, where only military personnel were, were allowed on it. Then there was the show that was the weekend after there had been a fatal shooting at Fort Hood in Texas, an Army base, and Army was playing Air Force. So they had the, the Army cadets who were there for the exchange, well, along with the Air Force, and they were standing side by side, and we had a flyover scheduled to, to sort of bring us on the air. It was one of those powerful shows. It was not going to be a regular game day show, clearly. And I remember wanting to lay out as the planes flew over, but you know, never being sure how long it was going to take. And I, I stopped talking. And these planes were, they were a long way away. Like you, you think they're going to get here. It just it took forever. It took forever, this flyover. But once you kind of lay out and we're going to be respectful, and you're to, you can't really come back in and say, hey, there's nothing else to say. I remember just sitting in silence for about a minute as these planes came by.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I, but I, I think um, you, you bring up Air Force, and, and I think one of my, like one of the stories <laughs> for the road is a hard, hard segue right there. Hard, hard, no, go right ahead
1: and make actually, it. But But – you, 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 before you go to that, Barry, you want to talk about me throwing up in, a, in an F-15 for, uh, for an hour and 45 minutes? I'll,
2: I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you talk about that if you want.
0: Dude, that, you, you were so lucky to throw up. I mean, I, I, one of the experiences that I couldn't have because I was doing Thursday night games that, that year, you and Dez got to do backseat rides in these planes, man. And we, They've been always offered to us. You get great opportunities, but it never worked out. Never worked. Finally, it's going to work out. I can't get there in time. You guys get to go up and
1: have the fun. And I, you know, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a thrill seeker to a degree. Like I, I, uh, I, I, I've always grown up, love roller coasters. The only thing I don't like is going in circles fast. That gets me nauseous. But I thought this would be, a, like you said, once in a lifetime experience. And they were nice enough to offer it up. And Des and I took him up on it. Des has a brother in the Air Force. so He was all about it. And we probably went through three hours of prep. I mean, they went through everything. We put on the uniform. We put on, you know, the. Y- you cannot imagine how much information we were able to process there before they would let us get in the plane. And, and I mean, they went through the parachute sequence of the of the uh, of the um, the explanation. <laughs> sure. I thought do we, they do we, so, do we really need to. <laughs> they were so thorough on the parachute that I thought it was part like like you're it's not like you know when you stand you're in a plane and there's the stewardess is going over you know hey if you know the oxygen will drop down you're kind of listening kind of not these guys were really thorough and needed you to understand about the parachute and i i i turned to des i was like like is this happening is the parachute happening (laughs) like we're, we're really covering this and um But then they went through, you know, because we had four or five pilots and they went through the entire, you know, mission of what we were going to accomplish for the next hour and 45 minutes. And these guys were using this, even though we were riding along, they were using it as, you know, like a a practice session. And they went through all their their terms and everything they were going to do. And then we finally got our G G suit on. I mean, just trying the helmet and the oxygen mask on. I was like getting claustrophobic because they got to connect your oxygen mask to the tube. To an oxygen little tank to test it to make sure it works so when they put that on it's like suction to your face and you need to get that thing plugged in fast into an <laughs> into <laughs> to test it and I'm just sweating already getting a little bit uncomfortable
0: you try, you're and thinking it about maybe be. I should bail at this point huh you thinking maybe I should bail at this point or are you
1: 100 percent. yeah yeah but I'm excited too and so the pilots, a couple of former Air Force players, you know, from earlier, uh, back when I had played, they were really good guys. I mean, obviously, they're so excited to have Dez and I going along with them. And they're like, you're going to be fine. You know, we'll ease into it. Da-da-da-da. As we're walking out to the plane, you get into the plane and, you know, you there's instruments everywhere. You get, you get uh, locked in. I mean, and again, you know, you're locked in, which is, again, a thing that doesn't go well for me. I, I need a little bit of, like... I mean, I just don't want, I don't want so much press down on my chest where I can't breathe real good. So it, it's all locked in and I'm like, it's worth it. This is going to be worth it. You got this. You got this. And here we go. We start the taxi. We go, first guy takes off. We're like third or fourth in line. First guy goes and you just see him just gone. Next guy, and then he's like, and you hear all the, you know, the radio talk. He's like, here we go. Yeah. Boom, takes off. You know, you go back like this takes off, goes straight. He didn't ease up. He goes down, he goes straight up. And then I think he went like back that way. Like he like back that way. And I blacked out. Like I was gone.
0: So he's not letting you get used to this. It's like, right. We're going right to the hard stuff. When he boom. told me
1: he was going to ease me into it. And then <laughs> boom, back that way. And then from that point on, anytime he would pull a G my suit would tighten and every time it would tighten I would throw up so they I had these uh bags to throw up in and after like two or three different times of pulling G's I I ran out of puke so I just would every time he would do it I would just dry heave every time he did it I'd dry heave and that went on I'm not exaggerating he we got like a 45 minutes in, I'm sweating. He, he's like, take your mask off, blow the air conditioning on you. I'm trying everything I can to try to like get my breath. He even let me, I don't know. He, he let me like take the, whatever, what, what is that called? The, uh,
0: the stick
2: troll yeah.
1: stick. Okay. Just to, yeah. he said sometimes that can kind of like allow you to kind of like not feel like you're in the backseat of a, of a car kind of. So he, like, he let me do that a little bit, but anytime he would, Pull gee it would it 45 would... minutes. Oh, yeah.
0: I thought there was, I thought it'd be like you, you get the feel of it like five minutes later, you're back on the ground. And,
1: 45 and he told minutes. me, He's like, Do you want to go back? We can go back. And I was like, No, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to do that because they're, they're, they're like practicing the Taliban. You know, I, I, I see a guy down here, we need to, you know, they're, they're talking all the, the lingo. And I didn't want to take away from their practice. So we just, I just endured. And then we got down, the plane came down. And i like, <laughs> Meanwhile, Dez perfect loved it could have gone next time you know he had no issue his pilot
0: was disappointed the first thing they ask each other when they get back on the ground did you make him sick did you get him him sick like that's that's what they want to know so your guy at least got to be right about it
1: was des was perfect he had a ball he's laughing at me. you know you imagine des laughing at me (laughs) i mean i mean i'm talking hard laugh at me because i am just I'm a mess, man. I'm You're a
0: good fan. sport, though. I think you got. you showed a little highlight there in game day. You're, yeah. Not, not full detail. That's you just went into way more detail. But I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: We covered that. And then Bear wants to tell a story about. Yeah. After the next night.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. No, when it was uh, Notre, it was Notre Dame Air. Remember, it was Willingham's first year, like eight 0 or whatever Notre Dame was. Great year, night game at Air Force. And did you did you call the game? I can't no. remember if you called the game or not. No. No. So. I mean, we have game day, so we're a couple of hours back. So game day is on at like 7 a.m. mountain time, I think it was. Yeah. And this game was like 8 o'clock mountain time, 7.30 mountain time. So we're like long, long, long day. So we're talking probably, uh, I don't even know, game ends. And this is a time when we would still do like post-game hits. or So we do a little hitting and Kirk and I head out to – out to the car I remember this is so this is the, what I said 2002 this is before like game day had the the operations crew on the road and the the assist that would arrange escorts out park our cars in spots this is like the days before Patrick so Kirk and I are like on our own here like we got to drive to Denver to get a flight the next morning or whatever. so and it's sold out you every you know you know the academy and the entrance there at the state it's like one road in one road out because you have to for security sakes. So so Kirk and I make our way to wherever the hell we're parked, mile walk from the stadium where the uh, the game base set was. And
1: late at night. I, I was
2: gonna say it had to be 10 30, o'clock eleven o'clock, at least eleven o'clock Valentine's.
1: At least eleven, yeah.
2: So so we, we've been up we've been up a good 18 hours yeah. or so, 19 hours or so. And uh I get in, Kirk gets in and it's just tail everywhere in the parking lot. Like it's gridlock. No, no one's moving. Yeah, no one is moving. So he, he's got the he, he, cars on. We were all of a sudden we were are talking blah blah blah, and all of a sudden it's just silence. My head goes back. I'm snoring. I like I like look. And he's sound asleep as well. Car running, probably in gear. He's I think it was sound, a asleep, sound asleep as well. I'm like, uh, uh. and like, I, <laughs> I think mean, we, we didn't move, and like, however long we were asleep, we didn't move. And I, I think it probably took us like two and a half hours to get out of that parking lot. And, and I think we probably <laughs> went like straight to the, straight to the airport. That was Not fun. recommended.
1: But, the car was in drive. I just put my head <laughs> back. There. And bear, of course, <laughs> 30 seconds in, he's out. And I'm just like, it's been a long day, a long couple of days. I just closed my eyes for a second. Fell asleep. Yeah.
0: It's a good thing uh, you had your foot in the brake if the car's I, in drive. I mean, yeah, I say that. I, <laughs> I, I saw one look at that traffic. I wasn't driving to the airport. I was staying in town. I, I I took one look at that line of cars, that single file line of cars, and just pulled the car over and went out and drank some beers, tailgated with some random strangers who were like disappointed that Air Force lost but still partying there. I, I was I wanted no part of, of getting in that traffic.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, that was, that was tough. It, it, it's funny, it, to, to circle back to something you were, we were talking about at the beginning with, uh, with Lee and, and, and Barry Alvarez and like realizing like people and what you say on the air and how people watch and listen and pay attention. I, I, one of my favorite moments still was the, uh, the pregame show prior to Florida State, North Carolina uh, on that, that night in 97 where, uh, where you picked North Carolina to be Florida State. And then we're, we're up above the Florida State locker room going into in, in Keenan Stadium before the expansion. And back, this is back when Florida State meant something. Like Florida State was still Florida State. And walking off bands, playing, helmets up. And they get to about the probably the 10, 15 yard line or so. And all of a sudden, Chevin Smith starts yelling, Herb Street! Herb Street! <laughs> and gives the old throat slash. So obviously, Florida State with, with, with what and, and the look and the look on Kirk's face was like, oh my God, I'm dead, and North Carolina is dead because it, it was like it was it was back when Florida State still had the, the
1: cachet and like like okay, they watched.
0: He he yeah. knew the pick was dead. You knew your pick had no chance I, when you saw that.
1: I, I hear because we back then we wore headphones and I and I hear Herb Street, and I'm just like I'm looking around. i I keep and I hear Herb Street. And I think I look over like that and I just happen to look down and it was number 30, Florida State, Chevin Smith. And he just went like that, like, <laughs> not, not today. I think I was like, can I change my pick? <laughs> the Knolls are going to show up to play tonight. North Carolina. Did they cross midfield that I, night? I, I don't. I still don't think they. No,
0: they had two. Court, court, they had two quarterbacks knocked out Chris, of the game, injured. Chris, Chris was knocked two Chris quarterbacks Keldorf, out.
2: Chris Keldorf, who later who played who played in that game, was one of the quarterbacks that was knocked out in that game. Who wh- he wound up coming up to ESPN and working on college football for a while. He would tell us like he still, however many years later, had nightmares about Andre Wadsworth and that game, just to how mm-hmm. how scary yeah. that Florida State defense was.
1: Oh, my gosh. Speaking of picks, picks, people ask
0: the town. I'll, I'll tell the story about LC and Houston and the F-bomb. <laughs> you know, at, at this point, you know, it's well established. He's going to put the headgear on and pick the team. And at this point, Kirk, he had, already was, he had already perfected the fake left, go right thing. So he was going to build up one team and then pick the other team. SMU's got no chance in this. I mean, there, there's no way they're going to win in Houston. The Cougars had a great team. They're scoring 50 points a game. Uh, and and they weren't going to stop him, but he tried to build up SMU, and he was looking. Look at that red, white, and blue. Look at that SMU. Look at that. What a team! What and, and he was trying to kind of take the audience in one direction. The director wasn't getting it, and he was a great director, but he wasn't cutting all the things that Lee was talking. He wasn't building up SMU. So there was that, and that's what kind of frustrated him. And he finally figured enough of this ruse, and that's when he just said, "Fuck it." give me that Houston and he he put on the Houston hat and Carl Lewis was the guest picker. They're kind of falling over. And, um, I put my head down. You shoved your chair away. You, 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 you instinctively, you had to distance yourself.
1: I didn't even know what I did. I think I threw a pen in the air or I, I remember Carl Lewis going, he leaned over in the midst of that chaos and he goes to me, he's like, he looked at me, he's like, good thing we're on delay. And I was like, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> the, yeah you looked. Best. you looked at the mascot you look you looked you opened the cougar's yeah. mouth and like looked in there i mean it was very i mean all of us you know, you know something like that is is like possible on live television but that had never happened before so it was kind of the, the funny right but you're the sitting back in, the airplane, in that is crazy yeah
2: yeah yeah that, that's the best part of it when we were we had about a seven hour flight to to Eugene for USC Oregon that night. That that's the best part of the story when we get to Eugene, Kirk.
1: Yeah, we, we land in Eugene. Well, first of all, ESPN makes him uh issue an apology.
0: <laughs> how, how did that go? You know, he, he, he,
1: he, <laughs> Lee Fitting comes out, everyone's high. You know, at the end of a game day, we're always like, good show, that was fun, that was fun, good job. And then fitting comes out, he's like, Coach, good job, that was great. Hey, listen, real quick, hey uh he, he, he kind of said, he goes, what? What, do you, what? what happened? What? What are you doing? He goes, well, no, you, you said the F word. He goes, so what? He goes, hey, well, I can't really say that on TV. So we've written out this three sentences. Just say your apology. And let's look into the camera. He goes, oh, OK. No problem. He looks into the camera. He's like, earlier today on college game day, I said something I shouldn't have. For that reason, I'm very, very sorry. And he does, <laughs> like, we're doing, like we're doing a Coke commercial. Like he does, like his Home, Home Depot. Smile. You know, and, and we're all <laughs> he's just so innocent with this. We're like, Coach, that was great, that was great, good, good, good. On the back end, this time, how about we just don't smile? How about we just kind of look, you know, just look at the camera? He's like, Okay, good, good, good. good, good. You know, so he does that, or we get through that. By now, all of America's you know, googling Lee Corso F bomb and all this, and we fly, we fly all the way out to Eugene. We land as soon as our plan. The USC, a good USC Pete Carroll team against Oregon and Chip Kelly. We get out of the uh, plane, go into the FBO, stop in use a quick bathroom. And as we're coming out, this guy he looks like he's dri- like a driver says, hey, um, do, you, do you mind if Phil Knight says hello uh, real quick? He's he's on his way over. He just landed. He's on his way because we saw his plane. when We landed. and We didn't realize he was there. So, he's, yeah, he wants to say hello real quick. Yeah, because we met him a few times on game day. No problem. So as we're walking out to get to our car, Phil Knight's big RV, he comes jogging down the stairs. You can see him He comes jogging over to us. And he's like, he high fives me. And he's like, man, Lee Corso. I can't believe that SOB. He's my hero. I can't. Oh man. What, was, what happened? Tell me. I mean, he wanted to sit there and hear all about it. He was so like fired up, you know? And then I'm like, man, I thought, you know, Everyone was like – because before we got to there, everyone was like, he might be – is he going to get suspended? You know, like, would they fire him? You know, that's the, all the talk. Then we then we drive to the stadium. We get in there. Lane Kiff- – it was Lane Kiffin, actually, at USA. Yeah. He comes over. He says something to me about, man, Corso, I can't believe him. And then Chip Kelly literally is at the other <laughs> end of the stadium. He sees me at the other 20 walking towards the fifty. I'm talking white visor, all black outfit, full sprint over to me and Darren to like high five us and tackle us. And he wants to hear about it. I'm just like, Lee Corso is the only guy that can see the F-bomb. And his his Q rating goes up. You, know, you say it, I say it, anyone says it.
0: It's like a huge game. It's a huge game they're playing. Both coaches, want. all they want to talk about is like what LC said at the end of game day, you know?
1: Oh, it's so true.
0: I don't want to leave with this. I want to do a footnote, but Kirk, just this season that just got done with in college football. unlike anything else, I mean, so weird and challenging and difficult for so many people for so many reasons. I mean, obviously we're both really grateful to be able to have the the gigs that we have and be able to call games for the most part in person. But now that you got a little bit of distance since the championship game you know, down here in Miami, what, what other than like thinking like, what was that for the last few months? Like, what do you, what do you think you're going to be, remembering from this past year in another 20, 30, 40 years?
1: Uh, just, just how unusual the, everything was. And I, I think I'll probably always go back to what the, the players and the coaches had to go through in, in order for us to to be able to watch football and debate teams and topics like we normally do. I think you and I probably have – Uh, And anybody who called games has an appreciation a little bit more for just because we're exposed to so much being around uh, on Zoom, not around, but on Zoom. But every week talking to coordinators and head coaches and players, and you do that, you know, early September and then it just keeps going on and everybody's on pins and needles and really learning. It's uncharted waters. You're learning as you go. We were learning you know, we're doing tests every week ourselves and hoping to get a negative test and just hoping to be able to do the, uh, the games. Then, you know, you have family members, whether it's your wife or in my case, wife and kids. I mean, if someone gets positive, now you got to one time, I, I got ding for the Florida state Miami game for contact tracing. So, you know, now I'm in my basement calling the Florida state Miami game and you're in Miami, you know, calling the game. Um, so just, just, uh, the ebb and flow, the, the improvise and adjust approach that, that we all had. I think that the thing that I'm going to be most proud of for us is that we provided a few hours for, for people to be able to watch a sport that they love and, and get away from, from the world that, uh, that maybe they they are in with, with COVID and all the, all the issues at that time that were going on in the country. I mean, it, it wasn't just a a COVID issue. It, this country's never been in my life, never been more divided and never had such poor leadership. And so I think there was a lot of angst and frustration and people feeling hopeless. And I think, you know, to, to be able to, for us in our little community to come together and be able to provide games was, was uh, great, but I'll always just appreciate, uh, without those coaches and players making the sacrifice, we would we wouldn't have had a season. So, just so much, man. There's there's a lot there that mm-hmm. uh, that I'll, I'm going to think back, and then to get COVID late, um, and just deal with some of those, you know, symptoms, and still dealing with a little bit. Just um, just a, a year, put a star or an asterisk next to you, you're never going to forget it. You know, none of us will.
0: Chris, what are you going to take away from this year and your experiences? Because you, you were on on the road with game day, uh, in in this kind of disjointed season every every week.
2: Similar to what Kirk said, everyone had their own personal challenges this year. Whether it was being stuck at home or in your home, or not really leaving uh, your immediate area for nine, eight, nine, ten months, whatever it was, and I had and people had anxiety and issues uh, surrounding that, and people wanting to get out and do some things, and 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 here I was, kind of on the opposite end where okay you have to travel so you have to deal with kind of like the, the anxiety you get over oh, is it safe to travel should i be traveling and at the same time you're like, okay no you know what the first time i got on a plane it was weird but there really was it was a lot less stressful and anxiety related as i thought it would be because the airline had, had their they had their act together and people seemed to get it and then when i got to that set for that wake forest show i, I was like you know what we we have a great opportunity here to really provide uh, a little bit of normalcy in a a year where there is no normalcy whatsoever. Like, even if it's for for three hours of us doing whatever it is we normally do on a Saturday morning, like, uh, like ultimately, did I, would I have loved to, like, all my stupid picks? Yeah, but, you know what, who who really cares? It was like, we're out there, we're doing something, we're giving people uh, a little bit of a window as to something that they actually remember and they're, they're part of their routine on Saturday morning, so I, I think it was just kind of like the the, the battle between like people stuck at home and, and here we are with this great opportunity to be able to to help them out a little bit.
0: I think you find out and feel simultaneously that what we do you know feels kind of silly compared to the serious work that is being done out there right. to try to keep people healthy, but you also hear from so many people how important it is for for the reasons that you, you said, Kirk. I I won't I won't go on this uh, too long, but I do want to add that what I learned is never to take for granted all the stuff that we love about the sport that we love, you know, and I I can't wait to get back. I got, I hope it's this coming season with full stadiums and the bands. Like you're, you're more of a band guy than I am. Kirk. But I really how much I miss like the band, the mascots, you know, it's about the game, but it's about so much else in this sport. And I think when we're never going to take that stuff for granted again, when we get back to have football as we've known it for the last 25 years and all that stuff's in play and you realize, Oh, this was all part of what goes into making the sport great
1: hundred percent you know the, the traditions um you know the the fans though the tailgating yeah you, know, you, pull, you pull up to a stadium and smells. Pull, smell smell <laughs> the, the smokers and the yeah you know, the 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 people they're just you know they great stum- it, it, sh- right. it means so much to they're them. 52 weeks out of the year and they only get six home games and man, they are just, and they, some of them travel on the road with their team. I'm just, just the energy at the hotels, uh, at the restaurants, the buzz in the air, the anticipation of what's coming tomorrow. And then you get into that stadium and it's just, I'm a big band guy because I think that's part of the tradition of it. I, yeah, I, I, you know, hopefully in 21, right. Hopefully we'll get it back.
0: Can't wait. You guys, it's been fun. Yeah. This has been generous. I knew the time would go fast. But uh, yeah, let's leave it in that hopeful note, like looking forward to when we can all back together and and, and experience the sport we love. And then we'll have uh, we'll have some more stories to tell. Awesome. Appreciate you guys.
1: Yep, you got it, buddy.
0: Man, I enjoyed that. I am so grateful to those guys for their friendship and for their professional excellence all these years. And we could have done about four or five episodes of that length and still not scratched the surface of all the stories we've got. So maybe I'll have... Kirk and Chris back on sometime down the line you can follow them both on Twitter and Instagram pretty simple at Kirk Herbstreet and at Chris Felica F-A-L-L-I-C-A is how Chris spells his last name grateful for your your time know that season two of this podcast is now up and running and we have some very cool guests coming up in future episodes keep an eye out for that Thanks to my co-executive producer, Jennifer Dempster, and producer, Jason Weichel. Please leave any feedback you'd like on my Instagram. DM me at Chris Fowler, and I'll talk to you soon.